and we are Draft Pod. You know it. And as always, presented by High Plains Strains, the Northeastern Colorado dispensary, providing top quality cannabis and a wide variety of products. If you give them a visit, be sure to mention DMVR to take advantage of their deals. Ooh, what a Saturday we have for you. Full crew, J. Mike, Schwan man here. Day before the conference championships, which always a, a glorious week. We're all hoping the Chiefs don't do it. Um, and who knows? I mean, uh, you know, this is a good time to always feel good about some draft takes. Be like, oh, there's a J- Jameson Williams has a big gain or I don't know. None of us were high enough on Sam Laporta to to like flex on those. But there are plenty. I was a Jameer um, Gibbs guy. Yep, you were. You were totally. You can flex on Jameer Gibbs. I get a smile anytime Penny Sewell makes a nice play. Uh, we were Brock Purdy haters. I don't know. Maybe this wasn't the best way to start off the pod. I'm just excited. <laughs> <laughs> it's honest. We're men of integrity. We're not just here to, to hype up the wins. We we admit the L's too. And that's why you know what we're saying is true. <laughs> if nothing else, we are men of integrity. Jake, how are you doing, my friend? I'm good, man. I'm trying to figure out uh, what to do, though, that there's only three football games left for the next eight months or however long. I know. I know. It's almost crazy explaining that to Kate. Like, we went, we go from, it, it's just unfathomable how much football we're watching Saturday and Sunday to then, yeah, there's just three left over the next three weekends. Sad. Jay, Mike, how are you? I'm good. I mean, got the the border war today, the basketball edition. So that's obviously always fun. But yeah, it's it's always bittersweet at this time. But it's also kind of fun because this is like when you know we get to really be on our grind. So we get to watch the Shrine Bowl and you know Senior Bowl and all that stuff, and you know talk about the Mountain West guys that are going to shine, the Pac-12 dudes that are going to pop that you know some of the other folks aren't quite as locked into. So it's a bummer. It comes to an end, but it'll be here before we know it. And like between all the draft stuff, like we're going to be all consumed. Yes. Broncos fans. In some ways, this is almost funner, especially since they actually have a first round pick. God, I miss that. I miss this so much. And then next week's the senior bowl. So a lot to get into already. And then kind of the end of an era for us. We are officially going to a 3 PM time slot on Thursdays. You can tune in live, interact with us. Cannot wait to do this all off season with my guys, man. So do not miss out on that. That's very exciting. Senior Bowl preview, mock roundup. It kind of all works into one because the latest mocks, and we're focusing on Kuiper, Brugler, and Daniel Jeremiah, seem to have some common themes. And I think one of them is guys have started to study up on these uh, Senior Bowl invites. And uh, we're seeing we're seeing some different risers. But boys, I leave it to you. You want me to lead off or uh, or back clean up here? Go ahead and lead off. I mean, this was this was your segment idea, so you start it, and we'll we'll kind of follow your lead here. Sounds good. Um, I'm gonna take a victory lap first and foremost. I think we can take a victory lap on a few of these wide receivers going early. Whether it's Malik Neighbors in the top five. Uh, Odunze sixth overall in one of these that mock had uh, Harrison Jr. Neighbors and Odunze all in the top six. Uh, 
we said it, guys. Like this wide receiver class was stacked. There were, you know, we were we were talking about wide receiver options when the Broncos seemed more likely to be close to the top five in the top ten. And then once we saw it was more, mm, you know, the teens, we kind of put that dream to bed. And now these mocks have caught up to what we were saying. So that's nice to see. Have we lost all hope, boys, on uh, one of these top three wide receivers? Should we lose all hope? Yeah, you're just not in that mix. Like, it's three, at least three of the quarterbacks are going to go, and three to four of these receivers are going to go. And then, however, you want to classify Brock Bowers as a pass catcher, you know, he's a tight end, obviously, but, you know, they have him going top five and two out of these three mocks. I think uh, DJ had him going 15th overall to Indy, which that feels a little more realistic to me. Not that Bowers isn't Mm. capable of going top five, but just that. We've seen in recent years some of these teams take big swings on some of these non-premium positions. Guys that are insane talents, you know, Bijan Robinson, Kyle Pitts. I guess both with Atlanta, but I don't know, man. If you're if you're a Chargers team sitting there with a top five pick, I guess you have your quarterback. But what, what was your thoughts on that? Brock Bowers going top five and two out of the the three mocks. I felt vindicated mm-hmm. by that as well, right, Jake? I thought it was more interesting. DJ had him lower at 15. Um, I just thought that, you know, you look at Brock Bowers, you look at his body of work. It's almost like, what more do you want from the guy? Like he was hurt a bit for sure. But this is, I think, one of the more cleaner prospects we have overall in this class. So that was a little surprising to see DJ lower on him. It's been so interesting, too, because tight ends have really played a huge part in these playoffs. And I think there's some young guys that are really good right now, but hell yeah. I mean, you know, Laporta, Trey McBride, both of those guys, but both cases, you know, you were able to sit back and land those guys. You didn't have to take them in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I mean, in my lifetime, I don't think there's been a first round tight end that's really popped, you know, like the transcended tight ends. It's Gronk injuries at Arizona drops to the second Gates, Shannon Sharp, you know, those kind of guys. Kittle, Kelsey, it takes you a yeah. couple years yeah. to, to get your feet underneath you. Trey McBride, you know, it took him until basically halfway through his second season, like week eight. Now, all of a sudden, he's on fire. Yeah, Laporta is probably the first one, the guy to like really hit the ground running. Yeah, it's true. And Bowers, it's a lot of it's going to come down to size. What is the size to really justify and get hyped about him as an inline tight end? Because the profile, the tape, Wow, so clean. I mean, it's it's honestly nuts. It's like Jake said, but then the size is going to play a big part in this. I thought that was another common theme. Like we start to get reminded that, you know, size speed is the name of the game here. We love following these guys and their stardom and uh, production in college. But then size speed guys come up. Another common theme to me was Brian Thomas really rising top 20 guy in all these mocks we've talked about keon coleman talked about johnny wilson adonna mitchell out of texas these are all kind of big wide receivers who have some speed have some nice hands and contested ball agility and now people are catching up to brian thomas we talked about thomas when we talk about neighbors and Jaden daniels but now again as we're getting into more tape and what have you Thomas catching up and surpassing kind of all those other big targets that we have in this draft. Um, I don't know if any of you want to 
had any well, notes on uh, I'll add in on uh, the quarterbacks in DJ's mock. Um, he has no JJ McCarthy, but he has Bo Nix at. Uh, where is he at in this? Yeah, he's 14, in there. I think New Orleans. Yeah, yeah. Um, and <laughs> it's not gonna lie; it's making me kind of wonder. Okay, what did I miss with Bo Nix? Because when we talk about JJ McCarthy, you know, we kind of talk about his sort of erratic play style and how mm-hmm. Bo Nix had that, but Bo Nix has the more more of that experience, I guess. Which is, I guess. You know, you mentioned Brock Purdy off the top of the show. We all kind of thought the same, but Brock Purdy had five, six years of playing experience, just like Bo. That's the comp. That's the Bo comp, right, Justin? Like, if you like Bo, you're you're talking yourself into Brock Purdy right now. I I was shocked by that. We did the whole last episode on JJ. Where do you fall on JJ, Bo, and the rest of these guys? Because that definitely is one where... There aren't common threads. There's a little divisiveness, and I think we'll see that for a while during draft season. I think one of them is going to go. I do think there'll be four quarterbacks taken in this first round. Which one it is, I think, is going to be interesting to see. Um, I personally would lean JJ over Bo. I know Bo fits the the Parcells rule, uh, and you know, like multiple years as a starter, all the passing yards, all that stuff. Um, JJ might actually meet it too. Now that yeah. I think about it, yep. um, but We're I just like his raw day, tools a little bit more. Um, I think you know his arm. Obviously, the inconsistency would be a big question mark for me. And like personally, I don't know if I love the idea of investing in JJ McCarthy with a top fifteen pick. Yeah, but out of those two guys, I I could see JJ going late in the first round, and I don't hate it. I just think you're you're counting on a massive jump you know like he has the raw tools but you're just counting on him to do so much more than what he was asked to do at michigan and really i mean you could make the same argument for bo Nix. like it's not outside of going to a place like san francisco where they can put you in a system with all these weapons around you or maybe like a miami with like quick reads and stuff like it it, both of these guys are gonna have to consistently show that they can throw in windows a lot tighter than just what we've seen um i think jj has the zip and I think he's had the flash throws a little bit more consistently where I'm like, oh, okay. Like, I, I like that. It's just the lack of consistency and the fact that he didn't elevate his status really at all down the stretch with this run. I know it's not his fault that, like, Michigan didn't need him to be the guy to win. But I just would have liked to have seen so much more from him mm-hmm. in those, you know, national championship games and, you know, the big games against Ohio State, Penn State. He was pretty good in the second half. Um, against Alabama and led a couple of drives there that I liked that. Uh, but I guess that's where I'm at. Sorry for rambling on you, but it was just kind of a, a lot of thoughts off the top of my head. Totally. And I mean, the second half of this season is what's going to be hardest to evaluate and what's going to hurt JJ's stock currently the most. Um, I also think Bo Nix might have one of the bigger, more important combine testing that we've seen for a quarterback in a long while. I just think his matters quite a bit more. Because where he falls on the elite athlete size speed uh, requirements is going to be huge in how much you can sell yourself on like, can Bo replicate what we saw at Oregon the last couple of years? Or is that going to be a little more system dependent? And in the NFL with bigger, stronger, better athletes, he's going to struggle. I just think if you see Bo as a better prospect than McCarthy right now, 
you are really overrating a lot of non-NFL throws and the production and percentages that come from that. And that's just empty calories. So uh, his evaluation is going to be fascinating because, you know, for all we know, the NFL might might be more on DJ's side than on our side on this. Um, and th- those two are going to be wildly entertaining. He's clearly course. grown a ton since Auburn. Like, I'm not trying to no doubt. to shit all over Bo Nix or anything like that. It, I think all of us have been pretty open over the years about not being big Bo Nix guys and not kind of buying into it as much. But it, it just comes down to what you said. He executed that offense almost to perfection. I mean, outside of a couple of, you know, he had some struggles against Washington, but outside of those games, you know, like he did what he was supposed to. The problem is, is is that going to translate with all these quick reads wide open to the sideline using space? It's fun. The history just says it doesn't translate. So we'll see. I don't know. Like, I feel like Purdy, although he didn't have uh, the numbers. Like, I think you could have found a little bit more substance on tape from him just from what he was asked to do at Iowa state versus what like Bo Nix is doing at Oregon state. Like he at least yeah. was, you know, you know, closer to a more traditional system under Campbell. I don't, I just think you're, you're counting on those guys to make such a massive jump, but it could happen. Like it, it totally could happen, but I think it's a gamble, especially if you're, you know, investing top 15 capital in them. With Bo, it just comes down. The game is just faster, man, in the NFL. And I think processing-wise, you know, with that offense he was in, where it was a lot of one read, kind of half field, you know, play action, take a shot, or just throw a screen type of things. I'm just very interested to see. It's one of those things I don't think we'll really know until he steps on even an NFL preseason field, like how he's really adjusting to the speed and how he's able to process. If he's able to go through multiple reads, if he's able to find that third read, um, you know, the backside crosser or something coming along before he does something ridiculous and throws the ball up. So that's really where I think his true progression would lie. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, when he played at conf- with confidence at Oregon, he's getting the ball out quickly, but it is simplified reads, right? And it's also in a system where he's very confident that he can bounce off tackles and make things happen with his legs. If that continues, I think you could see some potential in God, is it fascinating when this conversation applies to Sean Payton? Again, more on that soon on this year podcast. Another note for me, another victory lap, Byron Murphy, Texas defensive tackle. That's what I was going to bring up. I was waiting for you. He's your guy. Lots of hype. And I mean, I've been saying this for a while, you know, Tavondre Sweat, to me, Murphy was the more impressive guy. Is that three technique interior penetrator very intriguing prospect. So um, that was another standout for him. He'd be a guy that would be really intriguing to me to potentially trade back and try and land around like 18 mm-hmm. to 20. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially if you could get like a third round pick on top of it or something like maybe even better. I don't know. It'll depend on what the market is, obviously. But I just... He pops like his his size and speed and the way he's able to eat up some of those blocks like it's mm-hmm. it's not always an instance where he's like the the highlight of the play making the tackle but you look you just watch him just rip a double team and his teammate comes free and makes the tackle for loss in the background like you put some speed behind him man that I love him I love him I'm glad you brought him up Three techniques are insanely valuable, man, especially in the first round. Um, 
there's a reason the big guys go early. And when you have a guy like this who from that position had eight and a half, eight and a half TFLs and five sacks, I mean, that's just what the NFL wants. That's what they covet is these three technique players who can get after the pass or get behind the backfield. Yeah, for what sure. What did you guys think about those Broncos picks as far as it, Terry and Arnold twice, I think, and um, Latu Latu. Latu. Latu Latu from Kuiper. I mean, definitely some of our guys, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Jake's been on Latu quite a bit. Terry and Arnold is my bay, so he'd be perfect opposite PS2. It's just crazy. We always find ourselves in this position where like the defense has not been the problem over the years now is it perfect do you you know you certainly can add plenty of talent but uh it, it's just what that's my take you know like how about some offense groundhog day <laughs> yeah. it's groundhog day do we actually get better with those picks i think is the the debate you know i like those guys a lot especially arnold but uh, just yeah you could need a tackle and you get better for sure, right? Like you for Arnold is fun because it gives you a defensive identity. That's going to be one of the best cornerback duos in the league. And depending on, you know, the offseason with one of the best deep safeties in the league, one of the most promising nickels in the league. That okay. Like this is, you know, find a nickname for him because it's one of those secondaries that's almost nickname worthy. Latu, you like you are two blue chippers on the front seven short of being a special defense of really giving some of these offenses in your conference, some issues and Latu would be a super huge, uh, you know, building block in starting to do that. He's an animal too, like technique oh, yeah. hands, he bend. He just plays speed to power. He's got it all. Uh, very intriguing. So they, they'd be nice picks. I think, I think there's more of a dream scenario where maybe more of a consensus top 10 guy drops to you, which is more what we've talked about. If not, I don't know. I'd maybe rather move down and like try to add capital and still get someone in that range, you know, whether it's another corner, someone like a Byron Murphy you just brought up, some of the O-line talent in this class, maybe someone on the offensive side at the skill positions who you might like. That that would be more fun, more intriguing, more gives you a couple more, you know, shots at the apple, bites at the apple. <laughs> Who's shooting apples these days? What other takeaways did you have, guys, before I, I do a couple more here? Um, I'll go for here. Uh, I think there's a lot of offensive linemen that are going later in the first round um, in all of them. So we talk about this offensive line. I just keep going back to what Sean Payton did in uh, New Orleans, how he mm-hmm. just never really stopped building that offensive line. So just to go back to your point there, I mean, we keep on seeing these mocks throw us defensive players, but just seeing what Sean Payton did in his time at New Orleans, I don't know. I really don't think he's satisfied with this offensive line. I think he wants it better. For sure. And along those lines, obviously center, if you're just looking at pure need, might be the first need that needs to be addressed on the O-line. Cushenberry had his moments, but never quite found his stride. I I think fair to say was the weak spot of that O-line and is out of contract. Lots of Jackson Powers Johnson, the Oregon center hype. Um, His tape's fantastic. I believe he is a senior bowler. So a lot of upside for him to really uh, jump up. Drake Nugent is a Colorado kid. Michigan, one of the Mm -hmm. best centers in the country. 
absolute like stud. We've talked about Cedric Van Pran out of Georgia. And then uh, Duke's left tackle, Graham Barton, many places, many analysts project him as best to convert at center. I mean, just the versatility and his frame, he looks like a center. That's some high-end center prospects right here in this class. And guys who, if you were to move down into the bottom of the first or somehow found you in the bottom of the first, top of the second, because they don't have their second rounder, that you would want to address. That's another layer to this. And that's without starting to get into Zach Frazier out of Western Virginia or some of these other prospects down the line. Um, so yeah, it's a really nice class. Lots of tackles. You've got lots of centers. You've got your options at guard. It's a diverse class. Um, and a lot of these offensive tackles that you're kind of gambling on upside popping back up in the first round. The Suma... I love him. Sumatia out of BYU. Um, he's awesome. He's going to be at the Senior Bowl. Patrick Paul out of Houston. He's going to be at the Senior Bowl. Just like size guys. Massive size guys. And lots of upside. And that's that's where Sean Payton's going to start. Is like building guys up. Being an imposing O-line mm -hmm. in front. Yeah, I think we'll uh, we'll keep it going with these Senior Bowl standouts to keep an eye on some guys that are potentially going to rise here in the next week or so. There's nothing better, though, than sitting back with an ice-cold Breck brew in hand. If you're watching some of this you know, Senior Bowl action, that's the way to do it. You get Breck brew in hand, get some snacks in the bowl, you know, get your feet up, just live in life. And when you're drinking Breck brew, you're living life as, as good as it gets. Check out the Breck Beer Locator at breckbrew.com to find a brew near you. I personally am a big Mountain Beach Sour guy. Really, we're a big Mountain Beach Sour pod. Oh, yeah. Uh, but you can't go wrong oh, with yeah. the... Yeah, thank you. We need a little validation. I'm not just saying things here. <laughs> that's the that's the that's you know the truth from the heart. I've got a six-pack chilling right now. Shout out with Breck Brew. They've been with us from the very beginning. They're a local company. 33 years, it all comes down to their love and passion for making good beer. And again, check out that Breck Brewer locator at breckbrew.com. Find a brew near you. Also, if you are in Northeastern Colorado, guys, High Plain Strains, they are the dispensary for you. Check them out for all your needs. Infuse edibles, high-potency concentrates, some of the best flour in the state. They have three convenient locations in Northeastern Colorado, Lock Lane Village, Garden City, and Sedgwick. If you're in Northeastern Colorado, they are the dispensary for you. Save time by ordering online at highplainstrains.com. Pick up conveniently. All of their locations have drive throughs We're living in the future. You don't even have to get out of your car to pick up your latest uh, stash. It's awesome. Make sure you use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores. Full ounce for 80. Veritas 8 for 25. Mammoth 1 gram cartridges for 15. Exquisite extracts 4 for 40. Remember to use that code DNVR online or mention DNVR in stores to take advantage of these high plane strains deals. Nice. Very nicely done. Okay. We talked about the mocks. We've kind of gauged where the big draft newsmakers, the guys who are connected, are assessing the class at this point in time, pre-senior bowl, pre-combine. Important to assess where things stand now because silly season's around the corner, right? Where we're going to evaluate how a guy looked in shorts for two days in a practice versus how he's looked for you know three years in in high high division one uh, college football. Predict the biggest changes from now through the combine, things where in 
what, two months, we look back and we're like, yeah, I called it or wow, I'm really surprised. I didn't see this one happening at all. Jay, Mike, you want to start us on this one? Yeah, sure. Um, I've got Toledo cornerback Quinion Mitchell being one of the biggest risers of this draft process. He'll be at the Senior Bowl. Um, You watch him, he really pops on tape. He's aggressive. He goes after the ball, got targeted a ton, but really didn't give up anything. I don't think he allowed a touchdown this whole season. Uh, Five picks. He's a guy who I think it would not surprise me at all uh, if he ends up going between like that, that 15 to 20 range. You know, we're starting to see him on some mocks more around like 30, the end of the first round. But I I think by the time this process is all said and done between his athleticism and what he's put on tape, he's a guy that ends up going in that like 16, 17 range. Ooh, I like that. Cornerback one seems wide open right now. He's consistently getting late round one love, but yeah, I think the senior bowl and some high end testing could really help him out. Would would you be disappointed if the Broncos like took him at 12 if he runs like a 4 4 1 and really pops this uh draft process? 12 might be a little rich for me, yeah. but I I wouldn't be furious. I'll say that. He's a guy who I believe in wholeheartedly at the next level. Uh I just think you could maybe trade back a couple of spots and still get him in that instance. I like it. Jake, you want to give us one? Um, just by judging from the mocks and looking at this like consensus big board here, a lot of these offensive linemen, particularly the tackles, are going to go, I think we could see seven of them in the first round. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some real prospects here who are just like on the fringe or outside looking in. Jordan Morgan was a guy, I don't think we mentioned him, but he was late in a lot of those mocks. Yep. The offensive tackle out of Arizona. I just, how does he not go higher? It doesn't make sense to me, especially right now with these mocks. He'll be at the Senior Bowl. And, you know, after all and Olufashanu, he's the one true left tackle of yes. that next tier. Um, pa- Paul is a true left tackle, but way rawer. Sumatia played left tackle this year, but he converted from right tackle and I think had the better season last year. The Georgia kid, Mims, uh, the Oklahoma kid, Guyton, they were playing right tackle. So yeah, Morgan's a true left tackle and he moves so well. His He's so agile. His feet are so smooth. I agree completely, Jake. I think that's, that's, that's a guy that's much more a top 20 pick than a mm-hmm. top 50, like late first, early second. Um, I'm going to go a smidge more off the radar. I think Braden Fisk the Florida State defensive tackle, former Central Michigan uh, transfer. He'll also be at the Senior Bowl. I think he's going to go top 45. And I think him with Murphy and Chris Jenkins, another guy I've talked about a lot out of Michigan, are all three guys who are going to go like top 45. Um, Because we, we talk about it every year. It's hard to come by those interior penetrators. And all three of those guys show the flashes to do it have nice frames, and I think the NFL is going to really like them a lot more than what some of these mocks are showing outside of maybe Murphy, who's starting to get that buzz. Um, keep it going in that order. Jay, Mike, you got another one? Or you want to react to, to Mike? No, I'm, I'm with you guys on Morgan, by the way. I think that's a 
That's a great pick. It's interesting how few left tackles there are in this. And even a lot of the guys I like, like a Frank Crum out of Wyoming, another guy who I think will pop at the Senior Bowl. Versatile dude, played a ton of snaps for them. I mean, just watching him hang in against Mo Camaro was enough to validate him as a prospect to me. Um, he's a guy I think that'll kind of be a riser in these mid-rounds. Um, but that's what I wanted to ask you, Mo Camaro. just since we haven't talked to any local guys, he's not going to be at the Senior Bowl. He is in the East-West Shrine game as well as Chigoze and Museum, the CSU corner. Would it be crazy of me to say Mo should go top 75? Is that a little too rich? I think top 75 is very fair. Um, I think, you know, the, the edge class, you've got the guys a lot of people know that we've talked about all year, the Turners, the Latus, the Chop Robinsons, um, and, you know, like Jared Verse. And then there's that next tier where there's the Jonah Ellis out of Utah. There's the other Penn State kid who will be at the Senior Bowl. The other Alabama kid, Breland Trice, the Washington guy. And I think most of... He's on the outside looking in. He's in that tier. He's just considered, you know, on the lower end than the higher end of that tier. But that's the tier he's in. And those guys are all firmly going to be in the late first, early second range. So to say top 75, yeah, I think even top 60, you know, is could be reasonable. I think he should be a top 60, top borderline top 50 player. But I just, I, don't, I didn't want to overshoot it and then have him go like 80th or something. But I, I don't know, man. His get off on the snap. Like, I, I don't know if he's going to have the same versatility as some of those other guys at the next level, but just pure pass rushing situations, dude's a monster. And I do think that he can be a guy that kind of translates in that like outside linebacker role or a guy that kind of mm-hmm. puts his hand on the ground, depending on what you know you need out of him in the system. That's what I was going to say. Feels like a stand up edge. Yeah, totally. I think he's suited to be like that Shaq Barrett style. Mm hmm. And not to be lazy and just go with the CSU, but I mean, it's the same deal. It's a similar co- sure. uh, career trajectory in like terms of, you know, he was a guy, started inside, moved outside, lost a bunch of weight, got more athletic, got more versatile, popped at the end. Um, but I, I think Mo will have a, a little bit easier career to the league than Shaq did, obviously being an undrafted free agent. Yeah. Oh, totally. Uh, just to stay with the trenches, I guess, it's just how well-rounded this draft class is. I mean, we're strong in the trenches. We're strong at playmaker. We're strong in the secondary, strong at quarterback. Really, it's you know tight end and linebacker, the two positions that we talk about, like how much, how valuable are they are right now? Running back. Um, that are weaker. Running back as well. Um, yeah. Although there are some guys in running back, like yes. Audrick Estime. Like, I don't know where he goes, where he ends up in this draft, but man, he can run the ball. Um, I don't need to talk about Blake Corm anymore on this show, but, you know, Braylon Allen out of Wisconsin, there's some guys. So mm-hmm. uh, it's just a very good draft class, I think. Probably, you know, especially for the Broncos, who kind of need stuff all over the place. Um, you can hit multiple positions in need this year. That's Edwards is back at Michigan, right? He's not draft eligible. Yeah, yeah he went back. Yeah, which kind of shitty. He had to make that decision before Harbaugh made his. Their top corner did the same thing, right? Will Johnson? Yeah, they all knew Sharon Moore was coming back, I think, though. That helps. That helps. And that's where it's going to be a different situation from Alabama. And that's where I was saying it's weird to move on from a guy like Saban without someone who has more connections to the program. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, you didn't mention Trey Benson or Bucky Irving. Those are two of my right. favorite guys. And yeah. Two real, like, dual threat running backs, real factors in the passing game, which should be what Sean's looking for. And I think guys who could give, like, McLaughlin a real run for his money. Another prediction for me is seven-plus wide receivers going round one. We're, we're just seeing seeing it happen already. Might as well get ahead of it, you know. Four have felt like locks. If you want to add a fifth now with Brian Thomas, that's five that feel like locks. And then there's so much. Troy Franklin, I think, is going to be a huge riser. I, I keep saying that, right? Um, Xavier Worthy, Adonai Mitchell. Worthy could run just insane. I mean, Worthy's a... He's, a he's the guy I was surprised to not see more of in these mocks. Because, we, yeah, like he might be the just the best pure runner in this class. No kidding. Um, so. I think seven, not easy, but like comfortably, comfortably, let's say. What would you set the line for receivers and offensive tackles combined? Would it be like over under 14 and a half? Basically half of the first round going to be receivers and tackles? Let me do some math real quick. Jake, make your point. Um, Just with this wide receiver class, you know, another class that's super, super deep, man. Um, some Pac-12 guys. I mean, Brendan Rice out of USC is in this class. Uh, the other yeah. two, Washington wide receivers, Polk and McMillan. And then Jacob Cowling, all he did was put up numbers at Arizona. He's really small, but he's going to be someone who can make an impact out of the slot. Um, it, Lad McConkey's in this class. Like It's yes. crazy. Yes. Um, Xavier Legette, you wanted to talk size speed. That's South Carolina yeah. kid who had like some big time games early in the season, you get him at the combine and he shows what he showed on tape. Um, but yeah, the, the smaller shifty guys are really fun. And I mean, our guy, Malachi Corley, he'll be at the senior bowl. I think he blows up boys. Absolutely blows up. J Mac to answer your question. I think the line would be 15 and a half combined offensive tackles and wide receivers. And you wouldn't find a prop like that because there's a lot of guys, Fatanu, Barton, who, you know, we played tackle in college, might play in. Yeah, it could classify either way. So honestly, that number would be O-line wide receivers combined. And I think you need to set that at 19. I was going to say, I put it at 19 and a half. I think it's probably 20. And then you get yeah. the three to four quarterbacks. And it's essentially that, a couple edge rushers. That's yeah. right. That's right. And corners or whatever. So, corners. Um, yeah. yeah, it's the the defense is going to be slim picking. It's, it's going to be a lot of offensive talent. That's a good point. That really puts it in perspective when you put it that way. Um, it makes you feel maybe a little better if you do land one of those defensive players at 12, just given it's probably a PS2 situation where you probably are landing maybe not the best cornerback in football or like, you know, somebody quite that elite. But if you ended up with a Terry and Arnold or I don't know, a Dallas Turner, or one of these guys, like, you know, like you, you know that you are getting a very, very talented player. It's just the classic dilemma of does this actually make Denver better anytime soon? Any other calls on risers to come? I'll go with my local guy, Zay Weaver. Uh, I don't know why he's not at a single all-star game or anything, but the guy came in 
was Colorado's leading receiver last year. Uh, all he did was produce a bad quarterback play at USF, comes to Colorado, has a career season, kind of gets hurt, doesn't get to reach that thousand yard mark in the last game uh, because he doesn't play. So he's kind of just flown under the radar his whole career. He flew under the radar, I think, last year. I think people who actually paid attention and watched Colorado uh, past the non-conference slate saw how good he was. So I think that he'll make he's one of the guys that I think wherever he goes could make an NFL team pretty happy. He's a good one. Weaver's nice. Yeah, yeah no doubt. I think Jatavion Sanders, the Texas tight end, is really going to hop up um, and rise up boards. I don't know how I feel about him as a prospect. He's kind of like poor man's uh, Kyle Pitts in a lot of ways, and that, that can scare you. I also think the Broncos offense needs like three, four of these type of guys, just like hybrid. I mean, he's going to run like a four or five ends. at Dude, his size, which is insane. A thousand percent. Um, and I mean, if Bowers is like truly six, four, two forty, and this guy's like maybe six, four, two forty five, and is running like that, the hype's going to pick up. And, you know, also like, all these wide receivers start going, you start to like glance an eye at like the couple yeah. tight ends who are disguised as wide receivers and be like, oh, maybe that's a fun pick. So yeah, I just think he's really going to pop off. Also because there's a bit of separation between those two and the rest of the tight end class, which I think will elevate him some. And then I think Troy Fatanu, the Washington left tackle, just like we talked about with Jordan Morgan, his measurements are massive. Like if his arms are 33 and anything over a half, 33 and three quarters and up. Okay. Now we're talking about probably a top 12 pick. Like the Broncos could very much be targeting a guy like that because he was just fantastic. He was great um, in the playoffs, man. Boxier frame, just attacks guys. Often the first guy to make contact, strong hands, really just phenomenal balance. Um, uh, you know, uh, great bend, uh, great knee bender. Not a guy who's ever like overextending um, and relishes the contact. So he's just fantastic. And if you take out this, oh, he has to be moved inside stuff, which is the one concern. He'll go big. I honestly think he compares very favorably to like the two uh, Northwestern left tackles that have come out over the last couple of years. Rashawn Slater and um, um, thank you. Thank you. Skaronsky. So um, I, 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 there you go. I think that comp says it all. That's the last ones for me, though, boys. That's where I'm at. Um, do, do you guys know where Cooper DeGene's at in his rehab process? Is he going to be able to run at any point this offseason? I think it'll be tough. Usually, guys with these kind of injuries. So it sucks. He's a guy I think would have would popped in a major way though if he did. Oh, of course, because it ends the whole debate of is he a safe? He's a corner. I mean, he could play safety. He could do whatever he wants, but he's a true corner. He's a a lot of range here. Yeah, he went seventeen in Kuiper, twenty in Brugler, and twenty-seven in DJs. It's interesting. I mean. And you say he's a pure corner. I don't disagree. Big, big kid. I mean, for for his speed, big kid. I think he can play anywhere, but I just think he's going to get grouped into that. Oh, you're going to have to, like, move him to, you know, strong safety or something. And I'm like, have you watched him on the outside, though? No, strong safety is silly. But where where he's intriguing to me is in a Tyron Matthew, 
do-it-all, jack-of-all-trades, nickel, which is what he was doing from time to time at Iowa. And there, I think he could really be intriguing. Riley Moss can stick at cornerback. Cooper DeGene can. <laughs> yeah, no, no doubt. No doubt. 100%. Um, no. Cooper's a really interesting one. Cooper. And I mean, again, like, and this is classic draft, but the more we talk about these guys, the more it feels like, yeah, I feel good about a ton of options at 12. So why not move down to 18, get that second rounder exactly. you don't have this year, you know, that kind of thing. Unless there's someone you're truly targeting. And that's where I'm looking forward to getting into these quarterbacks and specifically Broncos fits at quarterbacks and some Parcells type profiles in next week's show. So that's a little teaser for you. Boys, I had some other stuff we could have got into, but you know what? We did a full show and it was grandiose. Cannot wait to do this in person next week. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you to High Plain Strain for being our presenting sponsor. Check them out. Tell them DMVR sent you. And thank you, of course, to my dear friends, J. Mike and the Schwan man. Check them out. Impeccable, best in the world coverage on Rams and Buffs. You don't want to miss as hoop season gets hotter and hotter by the minute. That's it for us. Tune in next week. Bye. Peaches out of Palisades, sweet as mama's marmalade. This shit sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. My mama slapped that bass, my sister sang these songs. Dancing under canopies, we thank the trees for all their leaves. We are just some drops of water together, make up seven seas. And one day I'll be like my father, one day I will learn to breathe. I'm choking on the thought that I am not the man I want to be. I got blood on my shirt, like I wear my heart on my sleeve. She said I look good in red, but that went straight to my head. So now she's rocking my teeth, tucked into new Prada jeans. And we ain't spoken a month, but I just saw her last week. The lipstick stain still on my cheek like we ain't talk enough. And we always seem to laugh, but never nod at us. So the future's looking grim, it's kind of ominous. And this song ain't about love, that'd be too obvious. See, this is more about lust and all of my misconceptions. And this is more about me and all of my self-deception. I'll tell myself a lie 100 times, don't need corrections. But every night I pray to God, I hope I learn my lesson. And the peaches out from Palisade. And they sweet as mama's marmalade. And this should sound like summer days, the windows down on harmony. The family band sing harmonies, my daddy played the drums. And my mama slapped that bass, and my sister sang these songs. Dancing hand in hand, we were tripping two left feet. Like a middle school slow dance, no one knew how to leave. But I'm still thankful for these days, they put a smile.